Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey now, welcome back to another episode of the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola, and we have a terrific Monday motivation for you today. A couple of amazing athletes that I've been able to work with this weekend, and man, am I privileged because these girls are elite, and it is so nice to get to know the personalities of both of these athletes and understanding after talking to your coach who was on our last podcast, and he is the coach for BAM, and both of these girls are uh, in that program, and you should listen to that if you haven't already. But let me tell you a little bit about these amazing athletes. We have first Annie Fuller, and Annie, she ran a 435 mile on an indoor track. So you heard that right, 435. Now that's pretty amazing. She actually ran for Michigan State where she was athlete of the year. She also helped Michigan get to their Big Ten championship title in 2019, Annie? Yes, and then, of course, we can't leave out the fact that Annie was an All-American in 2018 and 2019, running a 6K in cross-country in 2001. So that is, that is uh, some fast running, Annie, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then I also have Jossie here. Jossie, do I say Bonnet? Bonnie. Okay, so Jossie, but I just say Jossie and Annie all weekend, so now I'm saying Bonnie. Okay, and so Jossie, she was also an amazing champion, NCAA varsity national champ in 2015 for triathlon, and then the bronze medalist in 2016. So, wow, we have some some great accolades here, but what I'm always interested in is what is really the process to these type of outcomes and then what are we working towards next right so it's the person first which coach Wes he really has a great culture here and I think we should just talk just a little bit about the BAM culture and then we'll get into a little bit of your history and your background so Jossie starting with you why are you here at this program with BAM so I think that first off just being with BAM is a family. We call it the hashtag BAM fam. And it's not like, it's not just an Instagram hashtag. It's something that we live every single day. I mean, outside from actually physically living together with most of our teammates, we're a family. Like if any of us need anything, there'll always be three people there doing, like giving you whatever you need, helping you with whatever you want, whatever you need at that moment. Everyone at BAM kind of understands that the process is really hard and no one can do it alone. And you're only as good as you are together. So there's just like, it's an incredible feeling when you're at a training session and there's just so many people there that are willing to help you. Like I've had, I did a track workout last month and it was like a 16 by 400 at 5k pace type thing. And as we all know, that's a that's a rough workout, especially at altitude on short rest. And I got through to number twelve, and I was I was just dying. And there was it was going pretty south pretty quick. 
And two of the junior boys, actually, kind of, they had finished their workout, and they saw that I was riding the struggle bus pretty hard. And both of them jumped in and paced me for my last four. Like, Wes didn't ask them. No one asked them to do that. They just jumped in and helped me through everything. And stuff like that happens every single day with fam. And it's not just, like, with training either. It's with life. Like, if Annie's having – if Annie's stressed out at school, like, she's doing her master's degree right now and trying to be a professional athlete. Like, that's that's real big stuff. There will be five people who would help her do whatever she needs to get through the day. I love I love that. That's such a great example. And I think about, you know, redwood trees are so tall and so strong. And – they actually don't have a really deep rooting system. Have you heard about this? The roots actually interlock with each other, so each tree supports the other, right? And that's that's kind of the way I think about it when you ca- talk about the BAM fam. And so that's that's great. I love that. Wes, uh, he didn't tell me that uh, you guys call it that, but that is that's great. I love that that uh, that is the culture that I think I've been so impressed with here from the very beginning. And I, I feel like you girls are a little bit young, but I think about Cheers. And everybody in the show Cheers, when Norm walks in, they all go, Norm, right? And then, you know, of course, uh, that's what I grew up watching, sitcoms like that. Back when we didn't watch Netflix and you had to actually be there at 8 o'clock to watch the show. Anyways, uh, you know, that's where I always tried to have that kind of a culture where it didn't matter what kind of uh, athlete, new, beginner, or all the way to the very elite come in. Everybody supports each other. Everybody knows each other's name. And they know at least uh, something about the other athlete that is relative and that they can support them with, right? Sounds like that culture here is what really allows you to thrive, right? A hundred percent. Like, Wes, his big thing is that no one can do it alone. It's too hard to do it alone. But together, we can do it. And I think everyone on our team has completely bought into that process. And because we've all bought into it, we're all in this together. Like, if Annie has success, it's my success. If Melvin has success, it's my success. If I have success, it's every single person on BAM's success. And we all share that mentality, and that's why it works. That's that. I love that. And Annie, I'd like to hear your thoughts about BAM, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what got you into your sports. Okay, Annie, what's your what's your experience so far being with this program? Because this is newer to you, right? You you were with Michigan, and then because of COVID, I assume that you're here now. Yeah. So um, I came out here in the summer because Jocelyn and um, our other teammate Grace at the time was looking for a roommate and I got reached out to and I wanted to you know just jump into it and I left and I came out here and lived with them and joined BAM and the rest is history um so this summer I was training with them training with BAM and I I was just so over overwhelmed at first but being brought into this family allowed me to just I I felt you know, part of the family in a couple of days, a matter of a couple of days. I was coming out here having no swim background, hardly biking, and I was jumping into these swim workouts that were just nothing that I've ever um, done in the past, like not remotely any, anything close. 
they were they were insane to me and um any other environment i would be just scared and like not want to be doing these type of things and i just i just felt like with the people surrounding me i was i was just welcomed into the pool with them and didn't feel any pressure to do anything crazy um you know you know just it bam is awesome and um i i just it honestly it makes me want to tear up but i can see that (laughs) and that's wow coach west would be just smiling from ear to ear this is amazing to see just that emotion come out of you just talking about your experience in such a short amount of time so and then i had to i unfortunately had to go home um you know the summer was coming to an end um had to go back to school and cross country ended up getting canceled actually in the fall at michigan state um and so the opportunity presented itself and i said Wes, I'm coming back. Like I need, I need to be part of this family again. And so I was really eager to get back out here and it's, it's just been amazing. You know, everything Jocelyn said is 100% true. It's just, it's, it's a family really. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to leave again and we actually leave tomorrow. So, um, but we'll be back for sure. Yeah. And so you two are roommates right now, you said, right? Yes. And then you're leaving tomorrow. Where are you going? Um, we're heading to Vegas actually for a couple of weeks on area outside of their Henderson. Yeah. And, um, we're training with a, a teammate there who actually just joined BAM and we're living with him and then we'll head out to California to Long Beach area and live, um, out there for a little bit. That's where Jocelyn's from. And then I'm heading home after that for the holidays. Okay. That's that. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you literally plunged into this with, you know, I talk about the swimming, for example. I mean, you were a running specialist. What got you into the idea of doing triathlon? I know you were a bit recruited, I believe, but also I, so I did a, you know, a half Ironman and the swimming, I was, it was, I was just sinking like a rock and it was the hardest thing I've ever tried to do is prepare for this swim. So how is it that you've taken so naturally to the swimming? Because uh, I, I know just from talking to the coaches that uh, you, took up, you took up swimming pretty, pretty well, and it's, that's a hard skill set to attain. So how did you do that so quickly? Um, so I, I guess to start from the beginning, I was injured a lot in, in college, and that ended up kind of making me have to you know get in the pool and get on the bike and kind of supplement my mileage that way when I couldn't put so many miles on my feet and on my legs Um, and so I ended up just saying hey I'm already doing all three of these sports I might as well jump into a triathlon and try a race like that and so I did one in the summer and I fell in love with it it was one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life um and so when I came out here, I, I didn't really have a swimming background. I had a kind of, I'll go to the pool and float around and try to make it from the <laughs> side to side. And, um, but when, when I came out here, I think just having someone kind of tell me how much they believed in me in the swim was kind of what made it, you know, just, just significantly I'm going to, I'm going to get better. Um, 
if if I would have been told, wow, that looks awful. Uh, <laughs> see you later. Go back home. I mean, you know, it's all it's all about what who who you have around you and who you have building you up. You know, if my teammates would have said, wow, like that is not good. <laughs> you know, it would have discouraged me and I, I, I'm, I may not be here right now. So I think it was, it, it honestly came down to, you know, the, the environment around me and back to this team um, that they all believed in me and encouraged me and saw it in me that I could be a decent swimmer. And I think that that's kind of what got me into this progression. Yeah. And I think that that is a great point because when you're talking about how you see yourself, and how others see you and that perception that you establish about what you're doing, but more importantly, what you can do. Again, that's where this culture is phenomenal. And so I, I can see why you get emotional just talking about this. And just being here as a coach over this weekend, I've been so impressed with the coaches here and um, Coach, Coach Wes and obviously Andrew and just the entire staff. It just really is a special system here. So I'm honored to be a part of it. Now, Jossie, we're going to just uh, talk a little bit about what got you into triathlon. You were always more of a specialist there, I believe, right? Yeah. So I started racing when I was 12, which is, I mean, nowadays it's not that early, but back when I was 12, it was still pretty early. Um, and I kind of just specialized in triathlon from there like triathlon was my life when I was a little kid um both of my parents were triathletes so it was in the family I grew up going to triathlons when I was four years old I watched my mom do her first triathlon on what is now the 2028 Olympic course oh which is actually pretty cool wow yeah so um when I was 12 I started getting really into it and then I raced kind of in the USA triathlon high performance system all growing up. I raced youth elite from 13 to 15, junior elite from 16 to 18. I didn't race when I was 19, which I definitely regret missing that last year. But then I uh, raced in the NCAA for two years, which is kind of the next step after junior elite. And then I won the varsity national championship one year. I actually came in second in the race, but the girl who won, like, something happened, like, she got disqualified. Oh. So I got the title, which is kind of good but bad. I would have liked to break the tape, too. But, and then I followed that up the next year with the bronze. Uh, and at that point, I just kind of realized that it was time to – I loved my time in the NCAA, but it was time to move on. And since then, I've been racing at the continental level in uh, ITU racing, which is, like, the Olympic style of racing. So this is a lot of pressure that you took on at a very young age from what I'm hearing. Yeah, definitely. So let's just talk a little about uh, that because I think that that can be really overwhelming. Now, I, I'll give you just an example as I'm, I'm now I'm very I'm, I'm really dating this back. OK, but back in the day um i i had i was an, i was a decent uh okay um runner but i had some i had some success early on and that pressure was very difficult to maintain those performances and i i definitely folded a bit uh when i was in high school and eventually you know i i i worked i worked towards um letting myself let go of that uh that weight on my shoulders if you will and 
I learned to just accept the fact, the process that I needed to be in and not worry so much about so-and-so. So Joff Willard, if you're listening, who <laughs> he ran 409 uh, for the mile, and he's he was always kind of edging me out on stuff, and I was so mad at him. But uh, I was trying all of a sudden be Joff, right? I was trying yeah. to be him, and, and I wasn't him. And I had to learn that over time. But I am, on you, it's a whole nother scale, a whole nother level. So how how have you dealt with that? What would you advise? Because we do have a lot of athletes listening to this, uh, young athletes too, So uh, and coaches. So what, what would you say about that? How would you advise people to deal with that? Yeah, so – I wouldn't say that I regret how I dealt with racing junior elite and youth elite because I feel like it, I learned a ton from it and it made me a better person, but I definitely handled everything in probably the worst possible way that I could have. So I was, I wasn't very, like I was in racing, like the high level races between like 13 and 17, but I was extremely average, maybe a little below average at that level. Like I wasn't. No one was coming to a race worrying about Jocelyn Bonnie. Like, I was – maybe sometimes I'd crack the top 20. Maybe sometimes I wouldn't. That's kind of where I was. Um, when I was between, tw- like, late 2015, early 2016, I had a giant breakthrough, and I podiumed to age group worlds, and then I won that NCAA title six weeks later. And then I came in top 10 North American championships two months after that. And then I just kind of had this, I went from being like a, no, very average athlete, kind of like a no one to all of a sudden I was winning these big races. And in 2016 at the junior elite level, which is kind of like the top level for American juniors to race at, I podiumed in every junior elite cup that I raced in with the exception of nationals, which is a pretty like big deal at that level. So what was behind that breakthrough though? So that's kind of the part that I regret. I did everything the wrong way and it on it impacted my next three to five years of racing. I did these giant superhero workouts that I was just in no way ready for. Types of running workouts that a 17 year old should not be doing. And it worked really well in the short term. I dropped I went from being like an 1845 carrier off the bike to being a 1645 carrier off the bike in about six months. Wow. Which that type of progression is just insane. And that's not sustainable. And it's not the way that a 17-year-old should be going about it. And I was doing these crazy workouts. I wasn't eating enough. I was restricting my calories, doing these crazy workouts. But I was seeing a ton of success from it. I went from being very average to being one of the best in the nation at what I was doing. And so that really fueled that, oh, this is what I need to be doing. This is what everyone at the top level of my sport is doing. This is how I get good. And I'd say that that progression lasted for like maybe a year and a half. And then I quite literally crashed and burned. Had to take a year completely off of the sport pretty much. And then after that, I um, because I was so overtrained as a kid during your developmental years between like 16, 17, 18, wasn't eating enough. Um, I actually hit a giant growth spurt at 21. I grew five inches. And when you're trying to compete against professional athletes that are 35 years old and you're a 21-year-old that just grew five inches – 
it, it's not a good combination. So I went from being a 1645 care off the bike to quite literally tripping over my own feet in track practice. And I pretty much that just, I was so uncoordinated. It led to injury after injury, after injury, after injury. And I mean, I give a hundred percent credit to Wes actually and bringing me out of that whole, just that negative downward cycle. Like when I, Wes started coaching me about a year and a half ago. And when Wes and I first talked, I kind of told him my whole story of what was going on. And what he told me is we're going to have to start over. And as a professional athlete, the last thing you want to hear is we have to start over. But that's kind of what we did. We literally started as if I had never ran before, as if I had never swam before, as if I had never biked before. And kind of just worked our way literally from the bottom, kind of crawled our way back up. And there were a lot of lows along, like that wasn't, it wasn't like a fairy tale ending. There was a lot of highs and a lot of lows along the way with that. But I feel like finally, I'm 22 now, so five years later, we're finally kind of coming back. I'm finally, I'm now, I'm definitely faster than I was when I was 17, which a year ago I couldn't say. So there's a lot of, a lot of good happening right now, which is, I give all credit to Wes for that. I could never have done it without him. I love that. And uh, with Wes, we have him on our last podcast. So, again, I uh, love for you guys to listen to Coach Wes. So you can understand listening to him why he's special to Jossie. And uh, it takes a lot of trust. With When I was uh, talking about my younger days, uh, 15 years old, I ran 1447.5K. Now, that was with the similar story to you, Jossie, where I was doing way too much and getting away with it and until I didn't. And so we have some very similarities there. I totally understand that story. I was in that same cycle. And that leads me to you, though, Annie, because uh, I think this is a great example talking about how you adjusted your mileage and your volume to be able to run faster again. Would you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that a lot of athletes out there are doing too much volume too soon. And I think they'd love to hear um, how you were able to run faster once you were, you cut down a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I've been running since my dad was actually a division one track coach. And so I've been running since I could walk and <laughs> basically. And um, so all through, all throughout my running career, he's been kind of my, my rock, my coach, um, you know, through elementary and high school. And he'd always come to my um, gym class miles and time me and measure the course, make sure it's completely correct so that my time actually counted. Um, in third grade, I think I ran a 640 mile and he went out there. He's like, are you sure about that? And he, he measured it out. And um, what so, grade? Uh, uh, third grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I, I think what, what's kind of driven me throughout all of this is, um, you know, the process of having fun and being in love with what you're doing, because that's, that's kind of the most important thing. And so I think once I started, once I started college and having to increase that mileage that, you know, I wasn't really used to because all these previous years, my dad has been so encouraging of saying, you know, like, 
this is what's good for your body. Like you don't need to specialize in this sport right now. I actually did a lot of other sports. I did kind of an, anything you could think of. I, I played softball, soccer, track, um, cross country, basketball, um, volleyball. I was, I was doing everything growing up. And so I, I never just focused on running. I loved it. And I, and I was good at it. And my parents would always tell me, Oh, you're so like, you're such a fast runner, but I did everything else. And so getting to college and that becomes all you do, um, you know, all day, every day, it's all you eat, sleep, drink, run and go to school. It's a job, right? It's, it's a job. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and now I realize triathlon is a job too, but, um, yeah. And, and so you get to college and everyone around you, you know, you have, you have this four year age gap of you're a freshman. I went in, um, being 17 years old and, you know, we have people on our team running 80 miles a week and I come in and I'm running maybe 30, 35 miles a week. And that's a lot for me. And so, you know, we start to increase my mileage because it's, it's what everybody does. And I ended up, um, I had a good freshman year, but I got hurt. And so the end of my freshman year, I, I ran at the uh, junior um, national championships in the 1500 and I tore my planner and that was kind of where it all, it all spiraled. And so the following year, um, my sophomore year in college, I ended up just, just being mediocre. You know, I didn't make the travel squad for cross country. Um, I was, I was hurt, like little tiny injuries, you know, shin splints, little knee nickups and feet problems that just would be really nagging and get in the way of my training. So I had really, really inconsistent training. Um, and then that led up to, you know, a mediocre end of my sophomore year th- and into my junior year, I was, you know, kind of starting to get the hang of things. Um, but we still were trying to increase that mileage, stay at, stay at that progression that everybody's supposed to get up to 80 miles by the time they leave. Can I ask you, at least in your experience, why do you think that is, that that's so touted as, you know, I've got to get back up to that mileage? Why, why do you think that that is what so many people are doing in coaches and programs? Um, I think... I think it works for a lot of people. It works for so many people that, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a matter of, okay, it works for you. It's going to work for you too. Um, but I think going, going along with that, my, my coach, I love him to death. And, um, I think we kind of argued about that at the start, but you know, eventually he sat me down in his office at the, at the end of my career and was like we have never had anyone run this fast on this low of mileage like it's it's crazy and so uh, but I do think that that amount of volume is correct if that makes sense yes so 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 leading into that I I ended up I, I tore my meniscus my junior year and I was devastated I was I wanted to you know I wanted to quit um, I, my college career was not going the way I had wanted it. And I realized that kind of go back, go, goes back to my point earlier that I, I love this sport. Why would I, why would I give it up? If I, if I quit this team, I'm, 
I'm going to still run. There's no way I'm not going to run. I'm in love with it. And so I kind of had a mindset change of no, like I'm, I'm going to get back and I'm going to do what I love. And I ended up going, going to the pool every day. Um, I had a buoy between my legs cause I couldn't use my, um, use my knee at all. I would just swim back and forth. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that it was doing something cardiovascularly for me to get to where I needed to be. Um, and then it's eventually, you know, when I could, I would get on the bike, um, no impact. And so going into my senior year, um, but technically it was my, um, I had redshirted my freshman year. So technically I still had two seasons left. Um, going into my senior year, I was just, so excited to see what I could do because I had put in all the work um and I actually I I ended up doing a decent in cross country and I made the travel squad first and I I was astonished you know I I was never a cross country runner and then I ended up okay I I made the travel squad and then I ended up being first on my team at regionals and I was I was just I was blown away I was I was like wow like look what I can do when I love what I'm doing and I, that I, is so good <laughs> so that is everybody needs to rewind that part because the joy and and rediscovering and also understanding that it's not you're going to have these roadblocks right you're gonna have these adversities and then you can choose to see it as just that you right something that got in my way or silver lining here i've now learned to overcome some of these challenges and i'm not going to see them as threats i want this challenge but also i need to rediscover my joy my love my passion for this right absolutely and i don't know if things would have ended up the same if I hadn't been injured um, because yes it brought back my my passion for running and it brought me back to really realizing that it was something that I love and I never want to give it up um, but it also got me into two other amazing sports and all three combined to get me into this one amazing sport of triathlon and so I I ended up you know a couple uh, I think that summer I ended up doing a triathlon, just a local little triathlon, um, in Ludington, Michigan. Um, and I had the most fun in that race that I have ever had in any race in my life. It was just awesome. Um, the swim was a little rough because I was not, was not an excellent swimmer, but overall it, it was, it was amazing. And so, um, after that, I decided this is what I want to do. Um, and so I ended up being a member of the USA CRP program. And that's kind of what led me to come out here. So Beautiful. And it's kind of fortunate, too, that, again, because of this network you have here, but you have Jossie as your roommate with all this experience. And I'm sure that really helps. And this, this weekend, uh, we've you girls have worked with me and Bobby McGee. Now, I just like to say that. It's a little... <laughs> Janis Joplin, you might have heard of that song. Okay, so anyways, uh, Bobby is, in my mind, uh, the best running coach in the world. And he just, he said something to me, though, um, 
last night about about you, Annie, where he said, you know, once Annie started to speak, I realized that she was a champion. And you're very you're very confident. You know who you are. And uh, that's why you uh, I joke around, but we were going through something yesterday and I said, OK, so we're we're working on the uh, post uh, posterior or anterior tibialis. And you <laughs> said, uh, isn't that the posterior? And I said, oh, wait, yes, it is. So uh, I just uh, you are actually looking at maybe getting into um, physiotherapy type of uh, stuff. And so we've had fun talking about that. But uh I just, I was laughing. I was telling Bobby, I said, you know, uh, that's so many of my athletes, even if they know that I turned that around or, or said, said something that wasn't quite right, they, they would just let it pass by. And, but, you know, I love the fact that you uh, show that kind of confidence and saying, well, isn't it this, right? It's those little things, but it actually does say a lot about you and, and your confidence, right? And so, Jossie, though, I want to just talk a little bit about, um, with your uh, history, I would like to just say a little bit of closing for this podcast, but what athletes can learn from you both in your experiences? What do you think is, was maybe, we all fail at something, right? And when we fail, I like to say it's, our first attempt in learning, if, if it's the first time we are attempting something, let's not be so hard on ourselves, but even frequent attempts in learning. Because that's the thing is I see so much, especially working with my juniors, that a lot of times they think that, okay, I di I've already accomplished this before, like you talked about, and I've done this. And then now I have to do it all over again. And I have, right? So yeah. now frequent attempts in learning. And then all the way to just you, both you girls are so great about just being focused and intentional. And when I'm working and coaching you, it's just so fun because what we went through even today, earlier today, obviously we know that we're, we're focused on things that really need attention and you're giving it that attention. Even though I knew a lot of those movements were very difficult for you to, to do, you never gave up on the movement. And we kept working on variations until we found stuff that was working, right? So I'm very impressed with that. And so um, I'll just let you close off with how, you know, how would you say in your, maybe your fail, something that you did fail at, how did you learn from that and have the attitude you do today? Because it's very impressive. Oh, thank you. I think that the number one thing is that people see failure and they see it as a negative term. Um, I think that in order to be successful in sports, especially that failure is a positive thing. I mean, I've in the last year I had four stress fractures, which a lot of people would look at that and be like, wow, that's a failed year. That is bad. Just something must have been going very, very, very wrong there. And you know, like, it wasn't a good thing, for sure, um, but through every single one of those injuries, I got exponentially better as an athlete. Maybe not specifically at running. My running definitely struggled through that time period of injury, but I added, I mean, for the triathletes out there, I added 70 watts to my FTP in the last three years. <laughs> wow. That's like, I mean, if you know what that is, that that's a lot. Um I mean, Annie and I both, with the altitude conversion for our 500 free swim, I've dropped 40-some seconds this year. 
And it's like, that's a year after I've been doing this sport for 10 years. And neither of those things would have happened if I had been at full run volume all year. During the pandemic, I was, I honestly, I mean, not to bring up a sore subject, but the pandemic was probably the best thing that's ever happened in my running because we didn't race for, it was the first time in my career that I've had a year where there wasn't pressure to race. There wasn't pressure to go get the points. There wasn't pressure to stay relevant. There wasn't any pressure to do anything. So the minute that Wes and I found out that we we weren't racing for a while, I literally started with doing one-minute runs, one-minute walks. And I did that for like two months. And it killed me every single time. And it was just like mentally because I was like I'm I'm a professional triathlete I've run 60 minute 5k's why am I doing 45 minute run walks at a one-to-one and then kind of I have full trust in West with stuff like that and we slowly built up from one-to-one to four-to-one to nine-to-one from 30 minutes to 60 minutes to 90 minutes until I was at a decent run volume for what I needed to be so you look at and during that process, because I wasn't running a lot, I was able to get a lot better at swimming and cycling. So now that I am able to run more, we don't have to put as much focus there, and I'm able to bring my run back up. And I think that the important thing there is that I could have spent that year feeling sorry for myself and being like, well, this sucks. This is a really bad situation. I'm, I'm quitting the sport. The riding's on the wall. This isn't for me. But instead, you kind of, like, for me, I found I found it helpful just to use the mindset shift. Like, you're not going to heal any faster from being negative. Like, there's literally nothing good that can come from that. So I just kind of kept the faith that everything was going to work out in the end. And like Annie said, I just gave swimming and cycling everything that I had. And it really, like, long term, it's, I think, that it was actually the best thing that could have happened for my career because my two sports that I wasn't as naturally good at, I was able to really put in a ton of time and energy to develop and my run's starting to come back now and my swimming and cycling are already way better than they've ever been. So it's, it's kind of like a fun process. Your, this is happening for me and not to me attitude is so contagious. When I came back home from our first camp, I told my wife, said there was this girl Jossie and you were the first athlete I actually met I was talking with Bobby and then you came through with your bike Mm -hmm. and I just I was blown away by your positivity I mean I don't know how else to say it I was just it just made me smile how much you just enjoyed the moment of being there and just excited to see uh, i'm sure bobby and and things like that you know bobby's the bobby is bobby's bobby he is uh i mean that's the thing is you really appreciate that you appreciate all your opportunities and you you talked about your fractionalized training and return to running that bobby is he works directly with coach west on Mm -hmm. things like that and that's the thing again these these great coaches sharing this information and it's cool to be a part of that and you appreciate that but you don't always see that. Like I see athletes that just kind of take it for granted and they're just, they just think it all should be just, well, that's what you should be doing for me. Right. Whereas you really appreciate it. And, and coming back uh, here this time, 
again, I was telling uh, my wife, and this is the truth with both of you. That's why I asked the podcast with both of you before I even got here with Wes. I said, is, would that be okay? That I told my wife, I said, uh, I really, Annie and Jossie were two people that I really am looking forward to seeing again. So, and it's been really fun working with you this Thank weekend. You. Yes. So um, for Annie, what what uh, lesson would you like to close with or what fail did you see as eventually um, more of a win, right, or a silver lining for athletes out there listening? Yeah, um, you know, that's a really hard question, and I don't, I don't really think I have an answer to one specific failure. I think I agree with Jocelyn 100%, and, and just even, even yesterday um, when you were assessing us strength-wise – there was so many things that we had to write down that we we weren't we weren't doing right like that weren't optimal that weren't optimal so and we we got home and we were both really excited about that actually because that means that we haven't maxed out that there's there's a lot of potential there and so and so i think just taking your failures like the little things like that it's always just about the little things and taking those little things that you're failing at or that you aren't optimal at and just working on them is actually just very exciting. And so I think, I think to close with that, I would just say just focus on the little things. And when you fail with the little things, be excited that you get to fix the little things. I love that. And can I ask you, though, um, I love what you said about last night. You guys were excited about the non-optimal. We talked about that. It's just – it's like the Tao of Pooh where you learn that Pooh realizes that he just wants his honey, so he finds his way home even though he doesn't know where he is, right? So Pooh just is, and all he knows is he wants honey, and it, and it brings him back home, right? So that analogy, I think, works well. And I, I love that you girls saw that as opportunities being non-optimal, right? And I would just like to uh, say coming in today – the, the program, we have to start off with the basics. So we went over your daily protocol, but then we also went into your progression one for your strength programming. And what, again, uh, the strength program, I, I think we did with you, we learned how to do some pull-ups, but a little bit more along the lines of what we feel like we need for your gait, okay? So, and then we also did some other things like uh, hip thrusters, et cetera. But what was your interpretation of what we went through today? Because, again, it's not the bells and whistles exactly, is it? No, I mean, it's not, it's not deadlifting, you know, 150 pounds. It's a very, you know, what some would think if they saw me doing it, a very simple movement at the gym. You know, all the girls that are sitting there with the huge weights for their, um, you know, hip thrusters are going to look at me and say, what is she doing? But I think it's, it's really important to start there and focus there and um, just focus on those little things because the little things are what's going to make the big things happen. That's, yeah, that's ex exactly right. And also just looking at, like for you, Annie, we've talked about your whips and you have long femurs and, you know, a lot of those whips also means that sometimes it's not the best idea to do some of the traditional uh, training methods. And so although I think that there's no bad exercises, really, exercises, uh, they, can, they can sometimes be more risk than reward, for example. So I think 
that's another thing that I was impressed with, with your backgrounds, both of you, that we're going over things that certainly we're, we're working towards a, a progressive overload, right? But we're doing simple, low-level plyometrics where you're learning just to push down with stiff ankles into the ground, right? Starting off with the soleus more and then getting into those stiff-legged, um, you would call them like pogos to the box almost, right? Very simple, but those movements are actually harder than you would think to do and to master correctly, w- wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, it's it's kind of um, it's humbling almost when you're doing those simple movements like that, and they're so hard for you to do. I think it's it's amazing. So, girls, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. I, I would definitely keep talking. I Unfortunately, I do have a coaching call to get to, and, and so maybe we can do a part two on the next camp that we're working on together, right? And, of course, I'm going to be working with your strength coach here on your programming. So I would love it the next time we see each other that, yeah, this is now I've progressed and I've gotten this much stronger. And now I'm doing some of these movements that yeah, people would say, whoa, you know, this is right. But I followed the basics and I was I left my ego at the door and I was able to really focus on what matters and the fundamentals and that I call it the Miyagi method, right? We're just going to, we're going to paint the fence and we're going to sand the floor and we're going to get really good at that. Right. And then we're going to go kick ass at the karate championships. Right. Yeah. We're going to catch some flies with chopsticks. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, you know, and I do, I do believe that both you girls have what it takes to get there. And uh, I am just honored to be a part of the progress and the process. And you girls are special. So thank you for being here today, both of you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Matt. You got it. Yeah, man.